Israel is calling this its 9-11. A massive, coordinated and deadly raid by Hamas into southern Israel. This event is the biggest catastrophe of the state of Israel ever. It's unbelievable the casualties that we saw. Israel is at war. We didn't want this war. It was forced upon us. But though Israel didn't start this war, Israel will finish it. That is the path to hell if we are in that zero-sum place. I'm like really in fear. I just have to have the thought of me dying in a bomb in Gaza. How do you protect these civilians and also allow Israel to respond uh, the way it wants to respond? The situation didn't come out of nowhere, though. Do I think the West could have done more? Yes. I think Arab countries could have done more as well. Why is this happening now? And what does it mean for the future of the entire Middle East? This is one of the most complex and long-running conflicts in human history. So how do we end up here? Hamas is an Arabic acronym. It's short for Harakat al-Muqawama al-Islamiya, meaning the Islamic Resistance Movement. They are a Palestinian Islamist group dedicated to the destruction of Israel. Elected to power in 2006 and fully taking control the following year, they've been ruling Gaza ever since. Hamas has been proscribed as a banned terrorist organization by the UK, the US and the EU, along with other countries. They say this is just 20% of the weapons Hamas brought into Israel. And it is just a fraction of what Israeli forces will face when they go into Gaza. Gaza, also referred to as the Gaza Strip, is a narrow 365 square kilometer coastal piece of land bordered by the Mediterranean, Egypt and Israel. It's one of the most densely populated territories in the world, home to 2.3 million people. With me is Daniel Levy, who is president of the US Middle East Project based in the US, but more importantly, was part of the peace negotiating team of Israel during earlier peace talks. What no one will tell you today is the Israeli security establishment has been dealing with Hamas for the 16 years it's been in charge in Gaza, whether it's ceasefires, prolonged periods of calm. Israel has called up over 300,000 reservists ready to move in. The worse the images and the realities of what's happening to the Palestinians as this is prolonged get, because if Israel has formed a war cabinet, I doubt that is with the intention of limited time duration. It feels like they're setting up for, for something that really has a longevity and therefore an expansiveness to it. The elected head of the provisional government, David Ben-Gurion, arrives to read the proclamation of a new nation. This conflict has deep roots in history. The State of Israel was declared in 1948 as a home for Jews, many of whom had left Europe for the Middle East following the horrors of the Holocaust. The refugees from memories of war-scarred Europe land in a country already in the grip of bitter racial strife. But this is land claimed historically by Palestinian Arabs as well as Jews. And during the heavy fighting that followed the declaration, 
thousands of Palestinians were forced out of their homes, never to return. Many of their descendants still live in refugee camps. To this day, Palestinians refer to that event as Al-Nakba, Arabic for the catastrophe. And problems did follow. From Gaza, Hamas has waged several wars with Israel since it came to power. The most recent being in May 2021, when hundreds died during 11 days of fighting. Reem Momtaz is a specialist in Middle Eastern politics. Is it actually possible for Israel to remove the military threat of Hamas without becoming an army of occupation in Gaza, which hasn't worked in the past? Israel has tried at least five times in the past 15 years to root out uh, Hamas as a, at least as a military organization. Uh, this time around, it does look uh, like a very difficult operation to pull off, especially if um, they have to um, respect international law uh, as they do and as the United States and other countries are reminding them uh, to do, and if uh, Palestinian civilians uh, are not going to be collectively punished for what just happened and what Hamas did against Israeli civilians. Hamas does not represent all Palestinians. In the West Bank, which is bordered by the Dead Sea and neighbors Jordan and Israel, Palestinians are not governed by Hamas, they're governed by the Palestinian Authority, which does recognize Israel's right to exist. But this latest outbreak of violence is unprecedented in its scale and its ferocity. Why is that? Israel's spy agencies have a formidable reputation. Together with the military, they've invested hugely in surveillance on their enemies, including a high-tech border war with Gaza, which didn't work. Israeli planners failed to correctly assess the dangers on their southern border. It's been described as a failure of imagination. Israel has recently spent over a billion dollars trying to secure that border with Gaza. It was supposed to be one of the most advanced defensive barriers in the world. As well as high fences, barbed wire and concrete barriers above and below ground, there are watchtowers dotted along the whole line. They're loaded with cameras, radars, alarms, and automatic response weapons. The whole idea was that this system, known as the Iron Wall, was supposed to detect and suppress attacks, both above and below ground, with minimal human involvement. Each time Hamas developed new weapons, Israel found a response using technology. This time, though, Hamas attacked in a coordinated manner, using both technology and brute force, both on the ground and in the air. This is footage from one of their UAVs, their remotely piloted drones, during their surprise raid, taking out the automatic weapon on a watchtower. This happened in several locations along the border. What happened is that uh, we tend to rely on our intelligence and maybe we give too much uh, credit to the Israeli intelligence. Major General Giore Island was Israel's national security chief. What do you think was the main factor behind the catastrophic success of Hamas's raid on October the 7th into southern Israel. The biggest mistake is actually two matters. Number one is the intelligence that has all the tools and all the technological capabilities for some reason either did not see the signs or did see the signs but had a very wrong interpretation. 
And the second thing is that uh, if there was some early warning, even very low one, they have enough troops under their uh, hands so they can tell the soldiers to sleep less and to be ready. They can call some uh, UAVs and other sophisticated weapons from the, uh, let's say, general staff and to make sure that they are ready. And the fact that such a decision was not made, I believe this is the biggest mistake and even bigger than the mistake of the intelligence. Hamas has had extensive training and funding from Iran. This footage shows Hamas's Matabar 1 air defense system. Using tunnels and cellars, Hamas fighters stockpiled thousands of drones, rockets and missiles for this attack. Israel was uniquely vulnerable. The attack by Hamas coincided with the religious festival of Sukkot and the Jewish holiday of Simchat Torah. Israeli Jews were celebrating. Nobody was worrying unduly about the Gaza border. That was thought to be secure. As Israel mourns its fallen, the country is now officially at war. An Israeli ground incursion into Gaza is widely expected. This event is probably the biggest catastrophe of the state of Israel ever. We must achieve a full surrender of Hamas with no condition. The best or the better course of action is to do what we actually began to do. And this is to remove the, uh, the civilian population from the area. We already told 1.1 million people who live in the city of Gaza and around Gaza to move to the south of Gaza. And after it happens, we can uh, create such a strong siege of the people of Hamas that are left in this area. But are, are you saying that the, the priority for Israel's military objectives is so strong that the humanitarian concerns of the population of Gaza, the non-fighters, the civilian population, doesn't matter, it's just collateral damage? No, we are not saying it. I'm saying again, on the contrary, I'm saying all the civilian people in Gaza, number one, have to leave the northern part of Gaza as they were officially directed by the Israeli Defense Forces. And if we want to be on the safer side, then everybody in the world should persuade Egypt to open the border between Gaza and Egypt and let these people enter Egypt, at least temporarily. But just before this attack, Israel had become a divided nation. Voters had been asked to go to the polls five times in the space of less than four years. Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu finally broke the stalemate at the end of last year and formed a coalition with his ultra-nationalist and ultra-religious allies. Sitting at the cabinet table, hardliner Itamar Ben-Gavir, known for his uncompromising attitude towards Palestinians as Israeli settlements spread across the West Bank. The coalition focused on an overhaul of the justice system, undermining Israel's Supreme Court justices. Critics say this was a threat to Israeli democracy. Mass protests followed all over the country. With all this domestic turbulence, the government was distracted. Israel is largely united in its determination to end the constant threat from Hamas. It now has an emergency government of national unity. 
This is the first meeting of the emergency unity government. Hamas thought we will collapse. We will break down Hamas. Large parts of Gaza are now in ruins. Pummeled by Israeli airstrikes as it seeks to dismantle Hamas's war machine. The Hamas leadership must have known that this pain and suffering was coming. The amounts we're talking about, more than a million people that are being asked to move, is more than the Nakba, so what the Palestinians call the catastrophe. Uh, there's a lot of generational uh, trauma there with uh, multiple generations of Palestinians who have been displaced. And so they are very reluctant to move because they think they won't ever go back to their homeland. So what is the solution? You know, that's one of the big uh, difficulties and, and of this situation, just how complex the situation is. Uh, you know, how do you protect these civilians uh, and also uh, allow Israel to respond uh, the way it wants to respond to Hamas and Hamas's attack against it? Diplomats in Europe, diplomats in the U.S. are working uh, on this issue in particular, trying to figure out what they can broker between uh, the Israeli stated uh, objective of decimating Hamas so that it can never attack Israel this way and also protecting uh, Palestinian civilians. The impact of this war on ordinary people in Gaza is catastrophic. You cannot ask people to move out of harm's way without assisting them to do it, to go to places of their choice where they want to be safe and with the humanitarian aid that they need to make that journey safely. How realistic is it, do you think, to expect Egypt to take in all these Palestinians from Gaza that Israel is asking it to? Well, as you know, that is a long-standing uh, thing that Egypt hasn't wanted to do for a long time uh, because there are concerns on the Egyptian side just as, uh, as there are on the Palestinian side uh, that uh, the displacement would be not temporary but would become uh, something uh, that is long-term and permanent. Every place I go, I go run away and I just find bombs and I find dead people. And like, maybe one day I'll end up like them, but it's a really scary thing for me. <laughs> what happens next in the West Bank is key. It's already been the scene of violent clashes between Palestinians and Israelis. And also the army. At the moment, Israel is saying it will clear a significant section, half the population of Gaza, into another part of Gaza. The West Bank is not going to stay quiet. There are already uh, in the several dozen Palestinians who've been killed either by Israeli military or armed settlers, while everyone's attention has been on Gaza. Does this spread inside Israel proper? How achievable do you think Israel's aims are in trying to eliminate Hamas's military capability? Well, I think we're, we're even in a different place to that because it feels, as of the moment we're talking, like the question of who will run Gaza after this? What will Gaza look like? Will there be a second mass displacement, Nakba from the Palestinian collective memory, of Palestinians in Gaza? 
Hamas have called on all Palestinians to rise up and fight Israel. That hasn't happened yet. Then there is the tense border with Lebanon. Massed on the other side of it are the forces of Hezbollah, a powerful Iranian-backed militia that has also fought wars with Israel. If Hezbollah does decide to join in the fight this time, then Israel will find itself waging two wars on two fronts. Lebanon's border with Israel, regularly patrolled by UN peacekeepers, has been the location of cross-border fire with Hezbollah since the Hamas attacks. We are seeing a kind of engagement and, and firefight between Israel and militant groups working and operating out of Lebanon, whether it's Hezbollah or uh, the other Palestinian militant groups, in a way we haven't seen in previous wars uh, in Gaza, and that is something uh, to keep in mind. One major diplomatic casualty of this war is the planned US-brokered deal to get Saudi Arabia to normalize relations with Israel. We've been actively working on trying to help uh, Israel and Saudi Arabia normalize their relations. This was an Israeli delegation in Riyadh only last month, the first of its kind, and something unimaginable not so long ago. And just days before the violence flared up, Israel's tourism minister, Chaim Katz, visited Riyadh for a two-day trip. Bronwyn Maddox runs the London-based think tank Chatham House, the Royal Institute for International Affairs, and she is an expert on geopolitics. Bronwyn, do you think there is more the West could and should have done to restrain, up until then, Israel's policies in the West Bank, which have partly contributed to a lot of Palestinian frustration? Do I think the West could have done more? Yes, but there is no question that Israel moving its settlements forward on the West Bank, and so taking land that would otherwise be available to be part of a Palestinian state. That has made talk of an actual resolution, an agreed resolution between Israel and the Palestinians extraordinarily hard, and that gets harder every year. This is a war for our home. It must end with one thing, in total victory. This is kind of being presented as either Israel will have to undertake a mass killing and second number of Palestinians, or it faces a second Holocaust. That is the path to hell if we are in that zero-sum place. I don't see it like that. Israel is a very strong military power. I fear that the signals that have come from Western leaders who have only recognized the humanity, pain and suffering of Israelis, as well they should, but they have failed to recognize the humanity, pain and suffering of Palestinians, which is a sin of omission, which is encouraging this escalation. What we could see, if this spreads from Gaza, West Bank, East Jerusalem, Al-Aqsa, inside Israel, I find it hard to believe that under those conditions you won't have other external parties. The obvious one we've all been looking at is Hezbollah in Lebanon and by extension further out Iran. Does that bring in Iraqi militias? But what should happen, do you think? Look, what needs to happen if we're not going to go down a path which I think will find Israel in a place that really does not increase its security is not going to be generated just from within, okay? The only way we could get into a de-escalatory space is if you have responsible outsiders bringing a fire extinguisher, not a gas canister. The first few days 
have looked more like the latter. I hope that the images we're seeing now and the prospect of how bad this could become leads those who have most traction with Israel, especially the United States, of course, to try and walk this back. Whatever the solution they come up with, the clock is ticking and Iran is ramping up the rhetoric. In case this crime continues, Muslims and resistance forces will become impatient and no one can stop them. Israel has the right and indeed the duty to defend its people from Hamas and other terrorists and to prevent future attacks. What happens in the coming months will help decide if this troubled region is ever going to see a just and equitable peace between Israel and the Palestinians.